ladies and gentlemen and podcast fans around the world, welcome back to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Hey, thank you very much, producer Mr. E. Thank you. How you doing out there? Uh, Do we have a name for our fans? Is it like the the betters? The the metaverse? The things? The better than. The better than? (laughs) Jesus. The the most things. How about they're the most things because we're better than them? Oof. Oh my god. All oh right. wait, is that oh we'll wait, needle that, this. That's bad. We'll return to this one. Can we can we can we re-edit this? Oh god. So oh, god. Jim, we're better than you, and we know it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mean joke. I'm sorry, everybody. Well, speaking of movies, I got some movie news here for us. Um, yes, yes. So the Russian space movie. We're all familiar with that and how Russia sent uh an actress and a um director director yeah to space to the international space Space station to film parts of a movie and uh so space movie that happened in october and they've completed their shots and they're back on earth and i'm sure doing more uh earth scenes and editing and all that post-production stuff um sex scenes yeah can't forget the sex scenes i mean yeah it's it's gonna sell International sex scenes, international space station sex scenes, I should say. Oh well, this this next story may have something to do with that. Um, oh, so I was looking into um, the Tom Cruise movie, and I figured I'd just mention yes. that Russian space movie as well. But um, the Tom Cruise space movie, in case you have not heard us talk about it a million times, yeah. yes, I remind the in case this is someone's first episode. But I think it's something along the lines of. Tom Cruise went to space to make a movie with NASA. Like it's a NASA partnership with the cruise, the cruise, I guess. <laughs> and Absolutely. He's in, I don't know sure if he went up there already or will, I don't know anything about that, but they're going to film a, a movie in space. You know, he's all action man act does his own stunts. That's right. He does do. I can't wait to see that. But no, he has not gone up in space. He was actually scheduled to go up to the space station and film the stuff. Um, I think a week before or a week after the uh, Russians launched up there. And yeah, for whatever reason, he hasn't spoken publicly about this movie or about that launch or anything. So um, we don't know what happened there. And if, you know, the Russians beat us to the space movie race. Oh. Space movie. <laughs> the space movie race. But what we do know is that um, the production company behind the Tom Cruise space movie has partnered with a Houston-based space company called Axiom, and they plan to launch and attach an entertainment studio to the International Space Station called the SEE-1. Lame name. First of all, C one. I was as soon as C one. Yeah, C one. I I was just so excited until he said the name. I'm out. What's next? Something else. More this. <laughs> I want something okay. like film ship one. That that's cool. That gives me like a a semi. C one. <laughs> what's that? Cinema Maybe it was like one. scene scene ship. Even how about that scene? Like a scene of a movie. Scene ship one. Well, this is C. This is visual, at least. They got that going for them. Oh, I thought the letter C. No, S-E-E-1. That's still stupid. It's like space entertainment something something. I don't know. 
should have so, written, so, written it down. So this attaches to the space station? Yeah, it'll be a big inflatable module that will attach to the space station, and it'll be about 20 feet uh, across on the inside. So you got some decent room in there. It's a giant sphere sort of deal. Um at least those were the pictures I was seeing. The, now that I'm thinking back on it, it's not necessarily confirmed that it's a sphere, but we know that it's uh, 20 feet across at least. Okay. And, and is it like a bubble? Like they say a balloon, sounds like. like yeah, apparently. Flimsy balloon. Well, apparently these inflatable stations or these inflatable modules are all the rage because they can uh, expand into place once they're in space. Because they, they take up less room on the launch up to space. And then once they get to yeah. space, they can form their natural size, whatever they're supposed to be. Essentially, like the uh, J-Dub Space Telescope. J-Dub, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it would unfurl and stuff up there. I just, it was funny. In my mind, I'm like, oh, but it, it's made of a fabric. How, what will protect the astronauts? Well, the shit up there now is like, not like it's titanium up there. It's all like tinfoil shit still on some <laughs> level. Time. I don't think it's... <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's the whole point. Like, did you see gravity? Which is like, oh no, rocks! It's like tearing up the, everything. Like, <laughs> So it's not like it, like a rock is either hitting that tarp stuff or the, the, the tinfoil on the ship. It's going to tear into it either way, I guess, right? Yeah, anybody touches a wall too hard, you're going through it. You're just done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, just like the attic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that stuff in the attic when you go through the... The wooden beam shit. Stay on the rafters. No, stay away. No, stay away from the long grass. <laughs> stay away from the insulation. Ah. Yeah. So um, that should be part of the like Tom Cruise. Like it pops. He's like, <sighs> I just think, I man, I can't wait. There's no word on um, this whole Tom Cruise situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna return to Tom Cruise for a second. There's no word mm. on when he's going to space. Right now, he's filming um, Mission Impossible. Uh, seven eight i don't know he's filming the next two mission impossible movies right now um that being said um there's no official word when he will go up but it's suspected that he will go up uh sometime this year maybe middle or beginning we'll see he's filming two movies at the same time what is with that shit i don't i don't like that i feel like the movies always suffer well it's the part one part two just like except for lord of the rings though lord of the rings was well, that's true. And you know, Dune, like I was saying last week, part one was filmed by itself with no guarantee we were ever getting a part two. And now they, they greenlit it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they Everyone left it. guarantee. Yeah. That's why they left it out what of the market. What would that say? <laughs> no, the guarantee would be filming both of them at once while you have all the actors together and all the sets and all the costumes and shit. But like, that's the guarantee is filming it all together and then you have an excuse to break it up into part one and part two instead of deceiving your audience into thinking they're seeing a full story like they did Coming with out this part summer, one the mummy we guarantee there'll be a mummy too <laughs> if please show up and watch this movie if there's guarantee. more to the story of the mummy part one then you better goddamn guarantee it Otherwise, tell a complete story, right? That like, be, that's yeah, all yeah. I'm saying. I, I want movie guarantees now. We guarantee this movie will be okay. This is guaranteed a good time. Fuck that. <laughs> all that other shit. That's all that marketing is always like, fun for the whole family. No, guaranteed fun. Guaranteed. For the whole family. Your money will be back. <laughs> you will enjoy <laughs> this. this film. 
Yeah, so uh, no word on that. But uh, so this module they're attaching here, this is probably the most interesting thing about this whole article. This module uh, they're attaching will live on the space station until the International Space Station is retired in 2030. Yes, I do know about the retiring. I didn't. do to it. I found that out in this article. They're retiring the space station in 2030? Yeah, and do you know what they're going to do with it? I don't know what they're going to do with it. I know Axiom has a couple other modules on it, and they are going to detach all of their modules and form their own space station using those modules. With hookers and... With hookers and blow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, Now, as far as I know, I read that they're literally going to let it burn up in the atmosphere. Oh, that's right. I did hear something about that. Yeah. Which, like, what? Why? Like, on some level, I'd rather just kind of give it one last out away so it's not going to, I don't know. Can't they do that? Come on. Science? I don't know. Maybe they want to watch it. And they're like, let's see what this does. Let's just, let's just blow this bitch up. Fuck <laughs> this thing. <laughs> Have they watched Star Trek? Remember that, like, it was that friendship one? Or is that, isn't that the whole, like story of like some ship that voyager finds like, oh wow remember you know you're the star trek oh guy. yeah 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 with the the seven of nine has her emotional trip with the astronaut downloading his personal logs and shit i think that's ah uh, yes yeah. she falls in love with the man from the past exactly yes. who doesn't <laughs> um but i don't know i think that's fascinating maybe they're gonna have to kill uh like the alien symbiotes that are living on the space station that's the only way they can do it and they're gonna be like uh, they're just gonna tell their alien <laughs> overlords like hey we're we're going out for beer. We'll we'll be back in twenty, and like all the humans Actually, bounce. Yeah. You're you're right, dog. You're right. Security reasons. You got to blow it up, otherwise <laughs> the aliens are gonna get it. Learn our secrets. How we like tortillas and stuff up there. <laughs> how we Look pee at our in poop space. Shield technology. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Valuable secrets. Poop for shielding. Valuable secrets. It. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of weird space launch shit. Um, so yeah, you know SpaceX, right? That's like isn't that, isn't that old Elon? I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. So SpaceX, um, one of their abandoned uh, booster rockets is going to crash into the moon in March. Oh. Oof. Is that intentional or is that a fuck up? Uh, it was not intentional. Oof. And yeah, so <laughs> and then and the moon will blow up from this. <laughs> Don't worry. It's not like it's the sun or anything. So who cares? Tell you what, I've seen the time machine, and I've always looking looked forward to living underground. Right, it seems it'll be fun. Like, won't the tides like get higher or or lower? Maybe the well, tides won't even happen. Maybe it'll just. I'm sick of this high tide bullshit. <laughs> it would just stay there. Whatever the tides are, we're just that's that's the tide. It is so You're impactful right. on your boat life. I'll tell you that. My boat life, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we said last week we we're gonna be um, underwater mountain mappers. <laughs> if remembering Guam. So this story leads to another. We- I think we have unique jobs that we're forming for the future. I want to make a list of unique jobs. So, anyway, back to this. Back to this. Okay. So um, the SpaceX ro- a booster is going to crash into the moon, right, in March. Um, so this this rocket was deployed in uh, 2015 as part, uh, and it, it launched a satellite called the Deep Space Climate Observatory. And uh, yeah, it's been floating, and ever since then, it was just left in what, what they call a chaotic orbit. Oh, well, don't they? Don't they usually plan these things out to a T? What made this thing chaotic? Do we know? Ah, SpaceX. It's fucking... They don't give a shit. 
Oh, really? But you know what? But they don't plan that shit out to a T is, is what's honestly about this. Like, I'm skipping like to the bottom of this article, basically. But that shit isn't regulated yet. There's no regulation for this crap. Who's gonna, uh, who are you going to write your letter to? Uh, that's true. That is true. Space no, Force. Don't, it don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's just the military aspect. So exactly. They don't care. You need a space mailman to first get the letter. Isn't there an whoever, international... Space lawyer. There's space lawyers, actually. Yeah, yeah there's space lawyers. We're talking about space, like international talking about space lawyers. commissions that have, uh, you know, people around or countries around the world have signed treaties saying, like, no one can own the moon. That kind of shit. Yeah, there's that stuff, but it's still like it's still a, a the, the final frontier, right? There's just hasn't been that. There's a lot of legal loopholes and a lot of like. And oh, what, sue me. What are ultimately, you do? yeah, you need to reinforce it with a gun, with force. For sure. And so I don't have any. I don't have any information why this happened. Well, actually, I do know why it happened. But as far as like, is he? No one's gonna like go after Elon. Like, hey, whatever. Like, it's all unregulated. But here's why that actually happened, though. So the booster, it, the booster rocket, it, it passed uh, close to the moon in January. And by doing that, it altered its orbit. So then this, uh, this astronomer, Bill Gray, uh, he calculated the, the new trajectory. And so a week later, when he saw it again, he realized that little bit of touching the gravity, it put it on a collision course for March 4th. So he knows exactly the day. And it's going to mm. crash into the moon at uh, 5,500 miles per hour. Oof. And what, what kind of damage is that going to do? I'm telling you, it's, it's done. The moon is done, bro. <laughs> it, it's just crumpling. <laughs> we are done. It's done. We're all done. Um, it's not going to do anything, obviously. Like We're not even going to be able to detect it, but we are going to be able to detect the uh, crater it makes. Nice. Because it is a four, it's a four-ton booster rocket, it said. Four-ton. Smacking the moon at quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, if anything, we're going to learn some, like, maybe some type of, like, weapons data. Like, oh, if we just smack it with a four-ton thing, that's how big the crater is. Huh. Um. Yeah. So, but, but like I said, this wasn't intentional. Um. And oh yeah, and the guy who created, who discovered this, was like I said, it was uh. Oh, I lost his name. Sorry. Oh yeah, it's Bill Gray. He's behind the Project Pluto, which is a a software that allows for calculating the trajectory of asteroids and other objects in space, and is used in NASA financed space observation programs. And he says he's been tracking junk for 15 years, and this is the first unintentional lunar impact that we've had. Huh. Unintentional. Okay. okay. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's a nice little feather, but uh, now that it's happening, I guess, I, like you said, who's gonna who's gonna commission and tell these people not to do this? It's interesting. Well, going forward, maybe like because we're starting to try to make like moon bases and stuff. So if stuff's gonna start getting like uncontrollable impacts, if there's like, I mean, I'm sure it's still like a needle in a haystack type deal, and I'm sure it happens all the time anyway, but. Just in a, in a spacefaring society, this could be something to deal with going forward, possibly. And like, here's some more kind of cool. Like this other astronomer, uh, Jonathan McDowell, he said these possible similar possible similar impacts have taken place just unnoticed. Uh, he said there's at least 50 objects that were left in deep Earth orbit in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that were just abandoned there. We didn't track them. And he says now we're picking up a couple of them, but a lot of them we're not finding, so they're not there anymore. So probably at least a few of them hit the moon accidentally, and we just didn't notice. <laughs> Bummer. So there could be like spaceship debris on the moon, but it's like our own stuff up there. That's crazy. That's, it's just, it's so vast up there. Yeah, and it is still far away. I mean, we got telescopes, but still, you gotta like, you're watching like a splash in a pool and some big thing, you know, yeah. three day space trek away type of deal. Oof. 
this isn't the first time a spacecraft uh, hit the moon, though. But like I said, this was unintentional. This there was one that intentionally crashed into the moon for scientific purposes on the during the Apollo missions uh, to test the seismometers. Oh, fun. Okay. So that was, yeah. So and the, yeah, because I've heard of seismometers on the moon before. Because I've heard of moonquakes and shit. So they must still be up there. And and then here's what that guy said back to like the weird job things. It's actually he goes. It's actually no one's job to keep track of the junk that we leave out in deep Earth orbit. I think now is the time to start regulating it. So that's what I propose as our new weird job is like we're space regulators of space junk, and we regulate space junk, and we're like basically space trash men. Huh. Yeah. So in the future, invest in space trash because I think we have to clear it out to like do more spacey stuff. There's too much trash up there. We're just leaving it out there, bro. The space Indians are crying at us. But who do you charge? Do you charge like SpaceX and you're like, hey, we'll go up there and clean your shit. We'll take care of that thing and throw it into the ocean. Whoever wants to hire, you know, whoever's launching shit up there needs the, the trash cleared. Or do we just like intentionally throw it at the sun? What do we do with it? Where's our Where's our dumping ground? I'm hoping by that time we'd have some type of laser that burns it up magically. <laughs> that's kind of your job. I think of the idea is we actually have to make it functional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Sean, I, I want a genie. You, well, uh, yeah. What do you mean, Max? A genie, damn it! Yeah. Can't you just 3D print that shit? <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the idea of a private company taking care of space junk. I just wonder, you know, I mean, that's got to be a hell of a company. Tracking it and cleaning it up are two different issues, too. That's true. I feel like tracking it yep. is probably the easier <laughs> one. Well, anyways. For sure. No, for sure. I got a big story here. It's uh, I love it because it's one of those like, well, no shit, Sherlock. And I, you know, Max could have told me this story for half the money. So the uh, headline here is uh, new research suggests that having sex after ingesting booze and or weed leads to better orgasms. Really? Bum. I'll have to try bum, that once. Bum. <laughs> exactly. One day. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> so this new study um, focused primarily on people between 18 and 30 years old. And they did this for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, uh, previous studies suggested that age may alter the effects of the drugs. Uh-huh. So they wanted to focus in on an age range. Uh, number two, that it with between with uh eighteen and thirty year olds between then, um because they do the most drugs and drink the most, right? I've already sitting there like what a poke hole is like. Yeah, someone out. like did they just like, hey, how was that orgasm? He's like, ah, it was great, and then like here's some booze, <laughs> and then like he's like, ah, that was great, and like right then it's like who's gonna be like. Uh, I guess the first one technically was better, more volume, but this one was good. Like, what? They're just gonna, <laughs> like, they're always going to say, like, yeah, yeah. Like, they're just going to say yes. So it sounds like you're asking a five-year-old, like, do you like milk? Yes. Do you not like milk? Yes. Like, <laughs> how do you, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is, what could that be? What could that be? <laughs> this orgasm sucked. This one's way better, but that one sucked. Fuck this one. <laughs> so, um, they also chose these, this age range because uh, they are they also have the most sex. Okay. Which is disappointing because we're all over 30 here. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, a total of 274 people were recruited to take part in the study in Almeria, Spain. 
and this happened in the first half of 2020. Um, all participants completed a series of questionnaires in order to provide the researchers with information regarding their alcohol and cannabis consumption patterns, as well as various aspects of sexual function. Mm-hmm. According to this data, the potheads or heavy cannabis users scored higher for sexual function and arousal categories than the sober people. We'll call them the soberites. Soberites. I want to know if people were high taking like a survey and stuff. <laughs> How do they know? Like right there, like I just I'm still sitting there like they they were high, jizzing, and then when did they report their I... findings? Like the next day, they're like, oh man, you know, last night I definitely was better, definitely. Or were they like still under the influence? Like yeah, man. This is me. I'm a weed. I'm a weed smoker, and that's me going. I'm so making that that stupid. Like, yeah, man, that was the best ever. Way better than the one not on weed. I mean, you know, a, just... you know a good at orgasm from a bad orgasm, right? Bad ones. Well, yeah, it's uh, sure, sure. An orgasm is like pizza. You know, they're good all the time, but ultimately, there's better pizza out there, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Am I wrong? You're like choking your, you choking yourself or some shit, Mister E? How say Not you? The way I agree Not with the host John. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know what he's trying to get at. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. So uh, apparently, uh, weed leads to better sexual function and arousal. Uh, higher alcohol users apparently had better orgasms. And my question here is, how do they measure that? The article didn't go into detail. But oh wow! Go find this study. Look it up. Maybe I, I read a summary of the study. So if you want to find the study, go find it. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the researchers speculate that both cannabis and alcohol may bring about a reduction in anxiety and shame, which facilitates sexual relationships. Right? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, it's just like the inhibitions lower. Your inhibitions have been lowered. Yeah. So. Your orgasm is going to be better, Max, because your inhibitions are so low, you're going to let her finger in your butt. So it's just like, ah, just that's the only way. Exactly. Slap me around. Call me daddy. Oh, my God. (laughs) They have the captain of the spaceship. Say it. So previous research has indicated that women who get high before sex are more than twice as likely to report satisfactory orgasms. And that our regular stoners uh, may be up to 20% more or may have up to 20% more sex than those who don't consume pot at all. So I thought that was fun. Maybe just because you usually do that with people. What? Smoke pot? Well, smoke and drinking, I guess. I'm thinking, I'm thinking both kind of like it's kind of a oh. social thing, too. So you're just in more of an environment. You know, but, if, if, you're, mean, if you're with more. But yeah. At the same time, if you were to give yourself a prime age at which you would hit all of the categories, having sex, smoking, drinking, um, would it be between 18 and 30? Or would you say now or before 18 and 30? You know, in these these chapters of your life. Yeah, like, I think, yeah, when I was like 18, I was just like smoking and drinking and crushing puss constantly. <laughs> constantly. Just that one, that one year. Just driving to my nine to five job. <laughs> Get out of high school. Like, what are you talking about? No, um, I don't know. Um, oh fucking. 
<laughs> so. But yes, I think I think I think they I think you associate youth almost with like more of the banging and stuff. I think that's what the people do. So uh, I thought this was interesting. They also said uh, whiskey dick had a part to play in all of this as well. Isn't whiskey dick a bad thing? Yes. And how would that lead to more? It leads to more whiskey, more sex, and more whiskey dicks. To better orgasms? I don't know. Maybe you work harder for it. <laughs> oh, whiskey dick leads to better work. Really? I don't, I don't know because the alcohol whiskey users, dick is high in mind. The whiskey dick, huh? Alcohol users apparently had better <laughs> orgasms. Now maybe that is females. I don't know. Maybe the the floppiness of the whiskey dick, while so aroused, reaches reaches such levels of pleasure that you just. <laughs> I don't know. I think think you're right in that there's a lot of holes to poke in here or even uh, dig into. Because, again, I read the summary and it was like, ah, this is interesting. But at the end of the day, like, I don't I don't think I need a study on this because it's like, yeah, no shit. Drugs make sex better. Who who the fuck would have thought that? (laughs) Yeah. What a novel concept. I think so. But then even if there's sober people out there, you know, they they probably We'd be like, well, you don't have to have that for it to be better, but haha, this study proves you do. <laughs> like that. You will never have good sex again. If you, if you, unless you, in fact, is that what that study said, suggesting? If you don't drink or smoke, you will never have the best sex as possible. I think so. I think that's exactly what yeah. it's suggesting. I, I wonder if they were like uh, monitoring the people as they were having sex. You know, they like sat yeah. in on sessions, like voyeuristically style. Yes, just writing notes and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How would you describe that nut on a on a scale of one to ten? Yeah, like right as right as the load blows, they just like get in there with microphones, like, please, what are you feeling right now? <laughs> I wanna go to Disney World. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No done news. Wanna go to the game? How much time do we have, Mystery? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's about that time. We're at about 25 okay. minutes. Oh, okay then. Yeah, go to the game then. Because this next one's kind of long, and I feel like I'm like... Nice. All right. Maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. Read us off that stuff and go into the game. Oh, yeah, it's me. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess it's about that time to play uh, What's Better the Most. As we all know. <laughs> I hate this part. <laughs> I hate being the host of this thing. You guys make me read this thing. Look, if you, if you listen to our show, you know what better the most is. It's our weekly debate game where we randomly choose two subjects that our judge puts a spin on it, then our other two contestants debate it. You, you should know by now. You God, get it. You get doing it. this hosting crap. Making me host shit. Well, host shot over there. Pick out of the, the wonder hat, please, and give us the suggestion. And don't, and don't you dare say whose suggestion it is. <laughs> okay, I will not. <laughs> not this time. All right, the suggestion is mac and cheese versus garlic bread. Nice. All right. That's a good one. That is a good one. I do like that one. All right. That's almost too good. Okay, we'll see you in a sec when I think of something for this one. This one's hard. Bye, guys. Okay, bye. (laughs) Good one, Hoshan. Good one. (laughs) Say it again. Tell everyone. Oh, okay, now no, we don't have time. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, we're back, and uh, I have decided what the spin shall be, and I've decided who will get what. Uh, just so we get this out of the way, I want to say I'm going to give mac and cheese to host Sean. Okay. Leaving garlic bread for Mr. E. And then this is your 
prompt. You know me, I like to do a little bit of a scenario sometimes. Oh, shit. Okay. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's a small one. Don't worry. Nothing big. But you're on the space you're on the space food committee. And you need to serve aliens and potential Earth allies coming to Earth for the first time. They eat with their anuses, but taste like humans do. What food do you serve? <laughs> Mac and cheese or garlic bread? Oh my god. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll say that again. Yes. Because <laughs> it, it bears repeating. Like you're on the space food committee. A little bit. <laughs> you're on the space food committee, and you need to serve aliens and potential Earth allies coming to Earth for the first time. They eat with their anuses, but taste like humans do. What food do you serve them? Mac and cheese or garlic bread? I forgot to get the timer going. Of course, I'm a bad host. I'm a better player of this game. I'm sorry, everybody, but I am going to and make what? Any questions on that? Yeah. And I'm I'm arguing. It, my my I I was given uh, mac and cheese, and I'm arguing yes. in favor of or feeding mac and cheese to these anuses, anus to the, aliens. To the, to the aliens, yeah. These like, it's not that weird. They eat with their anuses, but it tastes just like humans do. So it's, it's not that weird. <laughs> okay, but, fair enough. Okay. So I'm trying to do a countdown. All right, uh, host Sean, you're gonna go first. Okay. And your minute's gonna start in five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, so the first thing, uh, the reason you want to feed mac and cheese to these anus-eating aliens is if they eat with their anus, their their your anus. If we're talking about a traditional anus, it doesn't have teeth. It doesn't have anything that it can chew or masticate with. It, so it's used to just passing sloppy goo through it, or or a solid like kind of um, streamlined chunk. And what's better for that is mac and cheese. Mac and cheese instantly. Uh, it's going to be more lubricated going in there as opposed to the dry, crusty garlic bread. Plus, uh, garlic bread probably has got some onion and some a little bit of spice there. I don't know how the garlic's going to react to your anus. I'll tell you what, mac and cheese, it's practically milk. 15 seconds. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably lubricate and uh, rejuvenate the anus. Might get rid of some of those age lines. Um, and uh, you know what? Uh, noodles, it, just cramming it in there. I'm thinking like a funnel system with uh, like a syringe or something. I don't know how they eat, but you know, mac and cheese. You're done. Done with that shit. Um. <laughs> Age lines. Okay, Mister E, your minute starts now. Okay. So uh, first, I want to point off that I think Hoshan is very ignorant to think that alien anuses share the same anatomy as us. We don't know what they look like, so it might not be as painful to anally accept some garlic bread. But good garlic bread is, isn't normally hard and crusty. It's usually really soft and moist. So you can work with it there. Um, you just use very small pieces and there's some absorption factor there. So, you know, that, I don't know how that would help. Maybe it would help clean out their systems. Um, it would settle well. Um, I believe that I read a, an article that said garlic is good if anally ingested a few years ago. Hoshan, so uh, we're going to run with that. And um, yeah, the, the bottom line is we don't know what their anus seconds. look like. Uh, so hopefully they got some teeth in there. Otherwise, it's going to be pretty painful. But it's also warm, which is going to feel good on the way up, I think. And uh, they still taste like real humans. So it's still going to be delicious in the end, albeit a little hard to uh, ingest. And you're done. <laughs> Again, all right. I gotta set up my thirty second. <laughs> my 
30 second rebuttal timer. All right, Hosha, rebuttal, 30 seconds, go. I'd like to counter my uh, esteemed opponent, Mr. E, by calling him ignorant as well. Uh, <laughs> so what, what, what would you like more? Uh, soggy garlic bread or creamy mac and cheese, right? Because if they taste the same to us, which, which experience do you like more? And uh, as far as anuses go, every anus we've seen on our planet, uh, I don't think I don't think any of Four them seconds. contain teeth. So I think it's it, it's somewhat safe to assume. Not. Uh, host, uh, wait, 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 Mr. E, <laughs> go. Okay, so so yeah, I mean, if it comes down to taste in the end, and you're arguing that mac and cheese is better, remember, there's a lot of people. He said human committee, space committee, aliens. So everyone's tastes different, right? So I guess in the end, it's your mileage may vary. Um, I will say that garlic bread just hits spot way differently, especially if you have it, you know, with an entree. They can anally ingest the entree and anally ingest the garlic <laughs> bread, and like it's just the best side. The basket of garlic bread always gets taken down. There's never any left. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. I'm gonna want another thirty seconds. Oh I'm not God. sure. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Okay. Uh this is so stupid. I love it. Uh let's go over Hoshad. You said mac and cheese. Uh if you you would feed mac and cheese to the anus aliens because they eat with their anus and they don't have teeth or masticate up there. So you want something sloppy or something going through it. And and it was somehow with lubricate, not dry, crusty garlic bread. And you said it would melt and somehow rejuvenate the anus. <laughs> and I get rid of the age lines. I, I would say that was one of my <laughs> finer points. Uh, Mr. E said, uh, called out Hoshan for being ignorant. I love this part <laughs> because I thought the same shit about alien anuses don't work the same. Um, we don't know how they'd ex- anally accept garlic bread. It, it, usually it's soft and moist. You can work with it, small pieces. There was some absorption factor for some reason. Um, Oh, yeah, they clean out the system because it's garlic bread. And he read an article that it's good if you anally ingest garlic. I got to um, say, I that, that was, was one of my finer points. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and Did then, not see that coming. <laughs> oh, Sean counters the counter with calling him ignorant. <laughs> Back at Sounds him. like a real debate. <laughs> what would you like, soggy garlic bread or creamy mac and cheese? <laughs> But then he went in to say, again, kind of get into his ignorant rant, though, again, about every anus on Earth doesn't have teeth in it. Still very, you know, <laughs> ignorant, very, very humanist, <laughs> ignorant, very earthist. Uh, and then most, you uh, know, Mr. E just says everyone's tastes different, Miles, you know, so Miles may defer. But I love his, the ending, the basket of garlic bread always gets taken out at the end. Uh... <laughs> Like I said, I, I like this is these are solid points, gentlemen. Like, which is funny when I debated this with uh, Maestro, I didn't think the anus thing would be that big of a deal. I I, I thought I just like I said they taste just like humans do, so I just I just assumed it. Would, but the, you guys, I guess it really would be a big difference eating it through one's anus. <laughs> <laughs> I um. I really don't really know on this one. I love it so much. Like um. Because honestly, it's like the the mac and cheese is more beneficiary to the anus, but I don't like your ignorance toward the anus. And <laughs> I, I think I've got to say garlic bread, honestly. I'm going to say garlic bread really? because 
because he called out you didn't know shit about alien anuses and he said the garlic bread thing and honestly i even said i have a i have a bias i love garlic bread so no matter what Joe sean said i was just gonna pick this so but but i tried to give it to you dude and you're right on all everything you said is right i love the rejuvenation but i'm giving it the garlic bread cheers nice good game good, good game. game i love that was a fun one <laughs> I love the idea of going Woo! in with a bias. Like that's kind of fun. <laughs> like you give the other person just the most they can work with, and then you come in with the bias. You did that with the T Rex one. What was that? Which one? I remember with like T Rex or Oprah, and I had like the flawless. It should be Oprah thing, and somehow you're like, I love T Rexes. <laughs> like at the end, and I lost. <laughs> I can't. That sounds like me. All right. I did. It was one of the, the biggest blunders of this game. Okay, one day. Well, I got a new, uh, I got a story here. It's about, um, actually, it's another no duh, no shit. Like, I don't need another study to tell me this. But here's another study to tell you that uh, people with oh, more yeah. money are happier than those without. Oh, yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. Is this about the you babies know. thing or just in, with people in general? I, I don't know about babies, but what were you saying, Mystery? I- I was just saying, who the heck would figure that out? Right. That reminds me of a shirt that, I, if you look up Paris Hilton wearing a shirt, it just says, don't be poor on it. It's like, hey, thanks, Paris. Let me get right on that. <laughs> Jeez. Well, yeah, to be fair, I never, I never thought of that. Me. Yeah, right? <laughs> um. So, yeah, the study was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And the whole study was built on a previous study from 2008 that suggested um, happiness rose with income until you reach around sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars in the U.S. Uh, in your salary. There was like a threshold. Yeah, and then it kind of plateaus. That's what that study suggested in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now we're four years later, uh, maybe even three years by the time the study was published or whatever, but it built on that subject or built on that study. And this new study asked users, or excuse me, the previous study asked users to track their happiness in an app. And specifically they asked them to look back on times in their life when they were making a certain income and reflect on how happy they were at that time. Mm-hmm. And so that opens up a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, obvious holes in the study as to looking back on yourself and, uh, you're you're you know uh, looking with 2020 vision essentially right hindsight yeah so this glasses yeah so this guy uh matthew a killingsworth which i mean nice name that's a that's an assassin name come on out of all of them that that's pretty dope um he's the author of the new study and he found that info a bit shaky so he used the same app and this this time he prompted users throughout the day to ask themselves uh, how do you feel right now offering them responses uh, from very bad to very good mm-hmm. and then they were also asked asked to answer the question overall how satisfied are you with your life on a scale from not at all to extremely how good was your orgasm did you smoke weed recently <laughs> I mean I, right like I don't know how legit are these studies when stuff like this? Everybody's going to have some sort of bias. Oh, I'm, just, I'm just laughing at it. So um, he found that the relationship between income and happiness were pretty linear. <laughs> what? Right? Uh, so, quote, the study says, uh, quote, 
people spend money to reduce suffering and increase enjoyment, and that marginal dollars are differentially deployed against these aims depending on one's income, i.e., in in layman's terms, uh, the more money you have, the more money you can spend on making yourself immediately happy or fixing a problem in your life. Like my my mom always said, fun costs money. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't don't have fun, you can save up money. (laughs) That's right. Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't be poor. Secret. Yeah. Don't you get it? Yeah. Um, Higher incomes were associated with both feeling better moment to moment and being more satisfied with life overall. And yeah, because you're usually like in theory, if you not worried about because a lot of people worry about money. And so if you're not worried about that aspect, I guess you have more time to. I would have just had more time to worry about other shit, but most people just. No, I think I guess they worry less. No, you would have more time to pursue happiness. Ultimately is what it is. You wouldn't have to worry because all those worries you could just pay off. Pay someone else to worry about it for you. Not the office space thing where it's like, what would you do if you're a millionaire? You'd fix old cars, and then that's what your job should be. You fix old cars. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it's like, I don't know. Then if you're well off, it's too happiness, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh it reminds me of like uh Jim Carrey. Do you okay, so From the Mask? From the Mask. Yeah, that Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> he uh um, buddy Jim Carrey. Okay. When he first got started in Hollywood and on on Living Color and, you know, just in his bit parts, he was living in his car. And he's quoted now as saying something to the effect of, um, if I could tell myself back then that money doesn't buy happiness, I wouldn't believe myself. I wouldn't believe me back then. Essentially, mm-hmm. like, now that he has all the money in the world and he still can't buy happiness... I think that that speaks to either a threshold at which uh, you have no more goals to achieve because you have so much money. You know what I mean? Maybe you need to have a lack of money in order to propel yourself. Influencer disease, right? Affluenza. Is that what like? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, slightly different, but yeah. Yeah. But you could do, you could do it all. But if you could do it all, you do nothing. Yeah. So, um, I don't think the threshold of happiness is 60 to 75K. I definitely don't think that. I think it's much higher, and then it would plateau. Yeah. Jim Carrey level plateau. That's where I'm oh, setting yeah. the bar. Yeah. There definitely is. It's just whatever the cost of living and everything else is. and like Pretty much when you can kind of spend a little bit of fun on yourself, because that is important to the human experience, right? If you're just constantly like grindstone your whole life, you're just like, isn't that the whole point? You're like working your whole life just to get to those retirement years where you don't do anything. It's like, oh man. Okay, so I understand that. It's like you gotta have a little bit of enjoyment. At lunch today. Yeah, no, you're right. At lunch today, I was um I was looking at an arcade cabinet to buy. Hmm. And it was a, a Star Wars game. And I was like, I, I, you can buy it from Walmart, assemble it yourself. It doesn't come with like the quarters slots or any of that. So it's like a stripped down version of something you'd see in an arcade. But it was only uh, like five hundred bucks. Yeah. But you know that's that's somewhat reasonable. But at the same time, it's a little too pricey for me at the moment. Yeah. Just to make a splurge purchase. But if I did make that splurge pur- purchase today at lunch, I would be excited for the next week until I got it 
and could play with it. You know what I mean? It would be that anticipation, that fun. It would occupy my mind with endorphins, and I'm looking forward to this. So I definitely think there is something to be said about buying happiness. Oh, yeah, like my samurai sword over there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that was like a a, a stupid, but like that was like one of those, when I have enough money, I'm going to buy a samurai sword. But that was always like, you know, it seemed unattainable. Then at some point in my life, I was doing all right. And then I was like, I think I can afford this. Because it was on sale. It was a Black Friday. So I got it. Like, I think it was two, two, 200, 200 plus. I think 250. I got a samurai sword. And it works. And we use it. And we have we definitely used it, lot, we have, used it to chop the shit it. out of everything. Water bottles, watermelon, oranges. God, all sorts of shit. Foam. But like right now, like where I'm at right now, I wouldn't sit there and like buy a samurai sword like right now. You know what I mean? But like... At the same time, I do love it. It's like, so it is. Those little things in life make it worth living, baby. You need to uh, get that thing sharpened so we can have another sword day and post it on the Instagram. It's pretty sharp. Is it? But yeah. Nice. I mean, I, I've never done anything to it, but I don't think we've chopped enough shit to, like, dull it. Really? Oh, man. We've we put it through the ringer a couple times. I need you to build something else for me now, Sean. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to give you the idea, but you have to like build it and design it and stuff. Kind of <laughs> about it before. Uh-huh. So, okay. Magic. Now, yeah. So here is so you heard we've talked about it before on the show, the Artemis program. That's like NASA's newest big program. Like we you know, the Apollo missions back in the day is how we landed on the moon. Oh, I see. Okay. And like the Mercury missions were like the testing out and everything. So the Artemis ones is, is us going back to the moon and establishing like a permanent something there type of deal. Pretty much practicing for Mars expansion blah 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 blah. so um if we're up there we're gonna need some sort of uh power system up there makes right? sense yep can't right. run am diesel right? am i right folks folks am i right and so uh yeah we need plenty of it so nasa has think uh, nuclear thinks nuclear fission is the most practical power option for the future astronaut colonies on the moon nuclear fission gonna, okay nuclear fission so, so just like a, a standard fission. nuclear reactor pretty much exactly yeah. nuclear okay. reactor basically and we've used these on satellites and stuff. So something like I always thought the satellites were different in that they were like a nuclear half-life of something in there that was giving off energy that we were harnessing. I guess, you know, yeah, that sounds more actually correct. Because I, I think it's something to do with the half-life too versus, again, I'm ignorant. I don't know what a reactor versus a half-life, what's, the, what's happening. Well, half-life is like, happening. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an object or, you know, a, p- a chunk of s- some material that has a half-life of radioactiveness and is given, you know, emitting radiation that we are harnessing, either in the form of heat or whatever. But, like, a nuclear reactor is you're causing a nuclear reaction and harnessing the energy fuel, from probably. It. What's that? Keep feeding it fuel. Probably have to keep feeding it gas, too, like plutonium or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Or, or, or Who knows what they're doing Or whatever that stuff. Well, you're designing this, so you're going to figure this shit out. Oh, that's true. I so, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you forgot about that because NASA is working with uh, the DOA or the Department of Energy, and they're basically submitting, uh, they're calling out to Americans, people in the industry, man, like whoever has a good idea on how to make this uh, a very small nuclear reactor to be on the moon, we can submit our designs. So <laughs> I gave up the idea, but you have like a 3D printer and stuff, and so maybe just it's all it give takes, it like bud. an hour. Give it an hour. Maybe come up with, because NASA is going to work with you, so... Here's what you need to do. So submit. So we were. They're asking everyone to submit design concepts for the nuclear fission power system that could run on the lunar surface, and hopefully they want they wanted to get up there within the decade. And uh, I think we could do this for half, obviously. 
Especially you, Sean. Did you going to do most of it? Did you hear about um uh god, who is it? The guy I, it was just some random dude in the US uh for a term paper. He wrote a paper on how to build a nuclear bomb. Sounds familiar. And then the government came in and shut him down and took away all his research and everything else. Like that sounds exactly what this is. Like you want me some garage douchebag idiot to design a, yeah. a nuclear reactor and like yeah, yeah. okay i'll try it's I'll for energy shot. bro i got nothing it's for on. energy god i was thinking about nuclear explosions jesus god. anyway um so here's here's some of the stuff you need to do so according to nasa a small lightweight fission system could provide a 10 kilowatt 10 kilowatts of electrical power which is enough power to, to satis- um, satisfy the electrical demands of several average households but since we're going to be like running a lunar base, you need to think about like running life support systems, charging lunar rovers, and helping scientists to conduct experiments. And so they're saying this, uh, whatever this fission system is that we design, that you design, um, <laughs> needs to produce at least 40 kilowatts of energy, which could uh, power approximately 30 households for up to 10 years. Huh. Oh, that's a lot, I guess. Yeah, that's what a, a kilowatt. Actually, isn't it one point? That's one point twenty-one gigawatts. I think. Yeah, Never mind. that's in, that's in the back of this. Like, is it the same thing? Um, but yeah, if we, you know, obviously they're doing all this for eventually getting to Mars. Because if we get this power system up and running on the moon, then we will probably take this power system to Mars because it's the same technology, basically. That uh, that is fascinating. It makes me wonder what the fuel looks like, what the waste looks like. Uh, and how, how how small would this thing be? Like, I assume they want to make it uh, as module as possible so they can uh, take it from the ship and then put it in the surface. And then if they need to, take it from the surface, put it back in a ship and fly it to Mars or I don't know. I saw a picture briefly. I don't think it was I, – I, I should have showed it to you, but it's like – look almost like an umbrella. So I think they're just imagining like, like the magical cylinder and that's where the magic happens. And I'm assuming the umbrella is like a – Hey, asteroids, don't hit the nuclear reactor now. Leave, leave that alone. Maybe some type of sun shield or some slight, you know, something, right? So it doesn't <laughs> blow up the... Although we're probably ignorant. I mean, I don't think... You just, like, hit Big a nuclear time. reactor and it blows up. I'm sure you just hit it and it breaks. Just blow <laughs> up. Right? That's, like, Hollywood shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you. Have you seen real helicopter crashes? They don't explode. Exactly. Exactly. But um, so, yeah, um, so, yeah, obviously, this is still, you know, years away and stuff, but uh, all, they're also hoping that uh, all this study that maybe we can do some type of this, all this uh, research basically could inform proposed nuclear propulsion systems that may one day help people get to Mars on faster speeds, and shorter missions and stuff. So this is just a good area to study. Like nuclear yeah. power kind of got a bad rap for a long time, but like it's we've been using it for safely for a long time and we need to like make it small and put it in watches and shit and put I want that shit everywhere. I I agree that we've been using it safely for a long time, and uh, I'm I'm definitely not a 5G person, but it's like the same time all the studies that we've read about Wi-Fi and how it destroys your nuts and your sperm count, and that one stuck with me. Out of all the stories we've done, the idea of, I do remember that. Yeah, just Wi-Fi signals have been proven to uh, lower your sperm count and create more well, mutated like sperm. A- Maybe we should relook into it. It's been so long. Maybe like the science was wrong then. Hey, maybe, maybe. I don't know. That'd be a maybe good one to revisit. Never know. We should look into that. I, or it's even worse now. We look into it, it's worse. <laughs> exactly.
But uh, yeah, yeah. So then, they're, like I said, they're gonna they're gonna basically assess all the projects, and and the NASA is actually gonna work with. Uh, they're gonna help develop those concepts for twelve months, and then after those projects are assessed, uh, what they learn will go on to guide and design and build one final flight qualified fission powered system, which will be launched to the moon on a demonstration mission, hopefully sometime this decade. So it is twenty two, but like you know, it, hopefully within eight years' time, they're gonna be trying to launch a a fission reactor on the moon. And then that would be the beginnings of the moon having its own power grid up there, which would be pretty nice if, you know, you're up there on the moon on, on your little motel moon six, plug it in your iPhone. You don't want some power up there. It's going to be nuclear, bro. Yeah, that's, that is cool. It makes me wonder what our current nuclear capabilities here are on earth. Like, can you, uh, is it like a modern day plane where if both if all the pilots pass out, uh, you don't necessarily need to fly it. You just need to you as you as a passenger just need to get up there, get on the headset, and have uh, ground control walk you through turning on autopilot, and then go sit down in your seat and enjoy the ride. Yeah, because I feel like I've seen some Armageddon shows where if you're near a nuclear power plant and no one's there maintaining it, it blew up. But that doesn't sound right. But does right. It? So what are what are the <laughs> safeguards? I want to know what where we're at technologically wise. Because I mean, you can't. You can't have that many people monitoring this thing all the time. They've got to worry about other stuff like habitat and farming and blah, blah, blah. Well, I remember, do you remember a long time ago we talked about thermal, like, nuclear reactors? And I tried to get a whole story about thorium. Thorium. Oh, yeah, thorium. Do you remember that? Next wave nuclear fuel Yeah, like, like the safe way to have nuclear power. But right now we're using uranium. Because it creates plutonium, which we use in nuclear bombs. And so it's kind of like we bastardize nuclear power versus if we use thorium-based nuclear reactions. Supposedly, I remember, I still remember this from years ago, like it would it would boil over like tea or something. It would not like go out. It would not ever like explode. It would just like the steam would be let off. Huh. It never go. And so maybe if these, for anyone, any designers listening, maybe this should be a thorium-based nuclear reactor and try to make it like, you know, make it big enough to like put in the back of a truck or something. That's what I want to know is how small can you yes. get these things? If they're, if they're suggesting launching one, there must be someone somewhere that has a small one. And this this is not right. going to be an inflatable piece of hardware. This is going to come up as a big chunk, maybe even Solid two chunks. battery. Yeah. And have to be assembled, <laughs> I, like that I, idea. I would assume. See? That's why you get See? You're designing it already, bro. Come <laughs> on. Like, how hard can it be? Here's my thought. We'll, let's design, like, most of it and then just leave the science. We'll, we'll call someone else. Be like, yeah, just do the, just do the nuclear stuff. But we'll, like... And then, well, I can't do any of it. Shit. That's what you're here for. <laughs> All right. Well, I got something so I, a little I, more yeah. uh, lighthearted here. Take us out of some heavy nuke talk and into some uh, boy room lockers, huh? Huh? Uh-huh. Huh? So this happened in the UK actually a few years ago, but um, we're hearing about it now thanks to a recent interview with this unnamed kid. So uh, when this happened, this kid was 15 years old. And uh, this boy was in a locker room, as everybody is in high school, and yes. he was dared by another kid to spray two cans of Axe body spray on his chest. Oh, sounds like a dangerous story. <laughs> he took the care, or he, excuse me, he took the dare because he's not a bitch. Yep. Uh, the other kid started spraying, and at first everything was fine. Then it started to burn. Oh. 
The kid, really? I, okay. The the what, what were you thinking? I heard about someone like doing some type, type of spray deodorant all over his body, and his body starved of oxygen, and he died. No shit. Something weird like that. Like, but I don't think it was Axe even, but it was some like deodorant spray that like just constantly did it like all over his body. It's about like. Well, that's like the um, the girl from uh, Goldfinger, the James Bond movie, where she was yeah. covered head to toe in gold. She, she got golded to death. She asphyxiated. Yeah, she yeah yeah she started she exp- yeah. getting lightheaded. I don't think she actually died, right? Doesn't I that happen to did. people in water too? Oh, she, yeah, she did die. Yeah. Does that? I think that happens to certain water drownings. That sounds uh-huh. weird. Like in a like almost like now I'm just talking out of my ass, but I feel like something like that is happening. Anyway, back to this. What? So yeah, started to burn, and the kid uh, says, quote, at first it's just cold. It's not really a big thing. And then it starts to burn, and you're just there waiting for it to finish. Because, again, he's not a bitch. He took the dare, and he's like, I'm going to see uh-huh. this through to the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the cans were start, empty, oh another kid walked up and flicked his nipple. Don't say it. And that's when his nipples fell off. I knew you were gonna say it, but why did they both? Yeah, I know this sounds just like what he's like. He's like melting in front of these kids. Like what the fuck? I like knew. Why did they both fall off? I was telling myself during the story, I was like, Sean, you should save this for the April Fool's episode. This is a great one. <laughs> you have to wait forever on this. So this stuff. Like, but this both is not April Fool's. Are this, the nipples connected? On the inside? No, so I don't, I don't There's know. There's like a cord, maybe. right? The nipple cord. <laughs> maybe he came up and flicked both of them. And like one came off? Like a double flick? Maybe, you know, like, have you seen that guy uh, in the Old West who, like, shoots the gun so fast? It's like it's like he shot, <laughs> like, the balloons pop at once, but he really shot two bullets. Uh, <laughs> Again, the kid just like, tee <laughs> Walking by, quick draw. <laughs> <laughs> no, the kids only enough time to see one of the hands, but he really secretly did both. So after his nipples fell off, he uh, proceeded to put on his shirt and he went to his next class. Wow, man, Mama <laughs> did not raise no bitch with this kid. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my God. This guy's my spirit did he, animal. Like, did he pick them back up or put them back on? Uh, No. No, he did not. I, I don't know if he picked them up and threw them away. Just left them. Either way, they are Who not on his them? body. Who needs them? So he says, quote, I'm in German... Uh, class just sitting and my nipples are now gone i'm just chilling and people are like your shirt is bleeding and you just see two blood stains from my nipples <laughs> so now his, his chest is starting to thaw out he's like in sh- he's like in shock he's like sitting there like this didn't happen maybe if i just walk away my nipples will grow back <laughs> so he says my german teacher actually stopped the lesson and was like what's going on do you need to go to the medical room? And I was like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's now in college, and uh, it's funny because he revealed this tragic story to his girlfriend, and she just laughed at him. But Is there any pictures? No, there are no pictures. Do you not believe it? At the end, is there any more information <laughs> than, than the nipple they fell off? Uh, no, no, that's it. No reattachments, no attempt? No, he's missing his nipples. This guy's going through Max life. It's like a uh, a male. Why would that? Why would, why would all that spray only affect the nipple and nothing else? I imagine they were hard, so they're like little pyramids of concentrated uh, matter. 
So is that spice space? Is it? It's cold, huh? It's like, is it cold? I imagine it's is like, it like a, that like, Freon shit. I would just exactly. imagine it was a chemical. In my mind, it was chemical burning this whole time. But it's like I see. It's almost like they iced them. Like because I guess the that air, just cold computer air, can get cold. So if you did like a, a whole can of it, wow, and it flicked off. Maybe he flicked the. Yeah, he said two axe cans. Yeah. Maybe if you flicked one and he ricocheted the other one off like a hockey puck, you know, and like that's how the second one broke off. Like, <laughs> there, there was a second flicker? Yeah, a second flicker <laughs> from that grassy brush bush over there. All right, well, that's all I got. Thanks yeah. for joining us and be sure to tune in next time when Max tells us all about his favorite Pokemon. Yeah, man, don't get your nipple flicked off. Hey, thanks for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Keep in mind that we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed, we encourage you to research them yourself and let us know if we missed anything. Submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter and Instagram, both at btmt underscore podcast. And please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.